Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I am so glad you are here this week. I couldn't be more excited because we are in the beginning of spring, and spring is absolutely my favorite season. I love spring. You know, in the winter, we have to cut back. If you think about it, we prune our trees, we we cut back. And in spring, we grow forward. And so on last week's episode, we checked in to see how you were coming along on your epic 2021. And so I invite you to think about this as we enter this new season, this season of spring, this season of moving forward and growing and blossoming. What are you doing different? How are you moving ahead? with the intention that you had in the beginning of the year. And if you're not, that's totally okay. There's no judgment there. Don't be hard on yourself. But use this as an opportunity to pivot and to get back on track. So where in your life can you get back on track? And part of getting back on track, a huge part of getting back on track, is your mindset. And that's why I am so excited to have my guest on today, Simone Canego. She is a best-selling author. She's a motivational speaker. And I think her most heroic adventure is she is the mom of six. Oh, and she happened to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with zero experience. So I can't wait for you to dive into today's episode with me and listen to Simone share her perspective on mindset and how mindset is really the essence of everything that we do. It's what holds us back. But more importantly, it can be and it is what propels us forward. Her message is that we don't need to change who we are. We need to change the way we see ourselves. So let's dive into today's episode with Simone. And if you haven't told anyone about the podcast and you haven't subscribed yourself, please do so. It helps us get our message to more people. And the message that Simone gives today is just a great example of the message I'm trying to get out to more women. So if you could do that, just take a few minutes out of your day, I would greatly appreciate it. We've gotten some amazing reviews lately. And if you feel inclined, go leave us a review after you subscribe. It really helps the podcast get that message out to more people. So let's dive in to my conversation with Simone Canego. And as you're listening, I invite you to think about what is your Kilimanjaro? It doesn't have to be a physical Mount Kilimanjaro. It could be you reaching out to someone on LinkedIn because you're interested in a new job. Maybe that's your Kilimanjaro. But what is it that you're going to get way out of your comfort zone and do this week to make a difference in your life? What is your Mount Kilimanjaro? And be bold, be courageous, be audacious, and go do something big this week. You will also hear Simone's story, and she talks about how a group climbed together, but they had guides. And any big, bold, audacious thing that you're going to do in your life, think about coaching as a guide. And if you're looking for that guide, please reach out to me. 
that is the piece that keeps people going when they make big moves in their lives is the support, the guidance, the accountability that helps make those dreams come true. So if that's something that you're looking for, if you're looking to make a big, bold move in your life, reach out to me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com because I would love to talk about being your guide and helping you achieve your Mount Kilimanjaro. And if you do something this week that is bold and you have great success, please reach out. I love to hear from my coaching clients as well as my listeners about the success that they have, about taking action based on the insights they get from the podcast. So reach out to me and let me know. Either leave me a DM on Instagram, reach out to me via email. I would love to hear from you. And just know I'll be thinking about you as you tackle your Kilimanjaro this week. So let's dive into the conversation. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, Simone, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so looking forward to our interview. And I would love for you just to start by telling my audience a little bit about yourself and why you're here today. Thanks so much. So I have done uh, many things in my life. Um, I started off my personal career in accounting. I was a, um, I have a bachelor's and master's in accounting. I was a CPA and then I realized that wasn't really where I wanted to be. Or I actually, I think what I realized is that I kept searching for something else, which said to me, this isn't where you want to be. Mm. And I did a lot of things after that. I ran a, um, I started teaching horseback riding lessons and ran a summer camp. And then I went back to school to be um, an elementary school teacher. And then I did a few other things. And now I'm where I want to be and where I truly believe I was meant to be, which is as an author and a motivational speaker, because I love storytelling. I love sharing my stories and I love hearing other people's stories. I love that. Um, I also know from uh, us talking that you're also a mom of six. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that part. Yes. <laughs> That's probably like the biggest part of the list. But yeah. yes, I have uh, I have six kids and we actually adopted our youngest three kids. We um, Our oldest is 24 and our youngest is 13. And some days it's chaos and some days it's organized chaos, but it gives me lots and lots of stories to tell. Absolutely. Well, yes, being a storyteller, um, I'm sure they're giving you great content. Absolutely. So we met and your story was so compelling to me. I asked you immediately to be on the podcast um, because of not only your message, but what you've done in your life. And so I would love to just find out you like me, and I think that's where we also, you know, had that connection is you found your passion late in late in life. 
So, you know, I didn't find my passion until I was 47. I think yours was 49. So kind of tell us about that journey and how you how you arrived at finally finding what lights your soul on fire. As I said, I tried so many different things. And I think the reason I tried so many different things was because I didn't find the thing that I was passionate about. And it's not that I hated anything that I was doing. I just didn't feel that connection. And I go back to that we have one life and that, yes, we have to pay the bills. We have to figure out those pieces. But I truly believe that we can figure out a way to be able to pay the bills and do something that we we truly love and that we are passionate about. I struggled for a long time. I struggled to see the value in myself. I struggled to feel good about myself. I compared myself to others for many, many years. I don't do that anymore. And it wasn't like a an instant overnight process. It's a process. Like it is looking in the mirror every day and saying, you know, you are more than enough. You've got this. And and that to me has been kind of how I got to where I am today. I mean, there's lots of pieces to it, but really, you know, looking at myself and saying, you're you and you bring great things to the world, as does every person I meet. They have amazing stories. They have, you know, extraordinary things about them and they don't realize it. And for me, it's so important to help people realize that their uniqueness is the best thing that they bring to the world, that they have so much to offer, but they have to look at themselves and be proud of who they are and believe in themselves. And so um, what you're talking about is so prevalent with women in particular. My audience is predominantly women. I always say I have a few good men that listen, but you know, my, my audience is predominantly women who struggle. Um, I mean, your story is my story. When I was younger, it's not anymore. Thankfully, it has taken a lot of work. And like I said, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because, you know, I think I could relate to so much of what you were saying and so could my audience. So what do you think it is? Like, why, why do we kind of suffer so much earlier in our life with these kind of these inner demons? It's so interesting how we really, we we think that it's other people putting these pressures on us. And sometimes it is, but I truly think most of the time that it's us kind of putting these pressures on ourselves. I'll, I was at an event and, and this was kind of a big turning point for me that I heard this motivational speaker. And all I could think as she was speaking is that first of all, I could barely fit in the clothes that I put on to go to this event. And I was already down on myself from that piece. And then I'm listening to her speak. And all I could think was, well, that will never be me. And that was like a turning point for me because then I said to myself, and that's the whole point. That shouldn't be me because you are you, right? We all have our own, you know, pieces that we we bring to the table that we bring to and everybody struggles. There isn't, you know, there isn't one person that doesn't have something that they struggle with. And I think we forget that. I think we, you know, what we see is, like the, the the shiny stuff on social media. And it's hard to mm-hmm. remember that behind those moments are a hundred other moments that, you know, don't look so picture perfect. Yeah, I know. And I love what you're saying. And it's so true. I talk about this with my kids all the time. I have two daughters and I think social media growing up in this day and age is is so difficult. It's difficult for, for myself sometimes. You know, you get in the comparisonitis trap and 
you're looking at everyone at what everyone else is doing and they're building their business faster and they're making multiple seven figures. And it's like, it's just, you know, you're what you're seeing is the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll I'll never forget, I was listening to Rachel Hollis and when her book first came out, um, Girl Wash Your Face. And she was I love her honesty and I love her transparency because what she was saying is, you know, everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, Rachel, it's so incredible. You're instantly famous. You wrote this book. And she said, what you don't see are the years that I spent, you know, presenting at the local Rotary Club and getting up and traveling to go, you know, do the local realtor meeting and do motivational speaking there. And what you're not seeing are the five other books that I wrote that never got published. And yes, you're seeing me at this point in time, but you don't know all the steps that it took me to get here. And I was so grateful that she shared that because I think sometimes we can see people get this quote unquote instant success, but we really don't know the backstory. So, so I love that you're sharing this message. Um, and obviously you had this pivotal point in your life. And was that it? Was was it you sitting at this presentation or was there something else kind of uh stirring in your in your belly that made you like what was that pivotal point for you? That event kind of started my I I don't want to use the word transformation, but that started, you know, really my the way I changed my thinking because I guarantee that person has their own struggles, right? So, and when I started thinking about it like that, I'm like, you know, why am I so focused on what anybody else is doing? Why don't I look at the things that I can do? Why don't I look at the things that I'm already doing and own those and be proud of myself and, and you know, believe that I can even do more than that? And that's why I think that when we when we do that, when we look at the little things that we're already doing that impact the world around us, because they do every choice we make impacts somebody, whether it's saying hi in an elevator or, you know, which again, that's one of those crazy things to me that people feel that, you know, this is another societal pressure that we got to look straight ahead on the elevator and we don't say hi to people. Um, I say hi everywhere. And again, one of those things that my kids laugh about and say, Oh, who's mom going to talk to this time. (laughs) But I think it's important because those are the things that kind of start us putting ourselves out there. So sometimes it is those little things that make the biggest impact on our life. And we have to look at those and realize that put yourself out there for a second. You might be the only conversation that this person had the entire day. So do you want to start it being like, you know, getting on a customer service call and you need to help me versus hi. How are you? How's your day going? I do that every time. And guess what? It's a really nice thing. It's a really nice way to. And so that that kind of like really started my transformation. And now I'm willing because I feel better about myself. I feel that I have things to offer because I've realized that I do. And so I'm willing to try more things and put myself out there more. Yeah. So what I'm really hearing you say is it's not that you changed. It's not that you you went through this huge transformation. I really hear you talking about a mindset shift of really taking ownership of who you are, what you bring to the world, um, your strengths. And so how do you help other people do that? For me, it's really about sharing my stories and really 
helping people understand that we're all going through these very similar things and that it's really the way we look at them. You know, we, my mom yesterday, she was all stressed out about something and she's like, I don't know how you don't get stressed about everything. You have six kids. Now you have four dogs and like, it's chaos. Like, how do you, how do you? And I said, I can't control those things. So the only things I'm going to stress about are the things that I can control, um, which are very, very few. And that seems to work really well for me. I mean, I, gosh, with six kids, if I were stressed all the time, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get anything done. But really saying that, you know, looking, looking at yourself and realizing that, that you're doing great things every day. And so, yes, I didn't do a, a major trans. When I say the word transformation, I didn't change who I am. I just mm-hmm. changed how I saw myself and realized that. I am making decisions that positively impact people. So why don't I do more like that instead of the other way? Why, you know, when I, when I reach out, like I want to help someone, I don't want to, I want to start the day in a great way. And I do that with my kids and I, I see them following through, which to me is probably the best part is seeing them kind of having the same attitude about like, you can't, it's in the past. You can't stress about it. Learn from it, move forward. We have to learn from our mistakes, not, you know, completely focus on them so that we can't move forward. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I love that. And um, you're such a girl, great role model. And I try to role model that for my children as well. You know, it's just um, really, I always say there, there are no failures. You, you had a learning lesson. You had a learning opportunity. So I love, I love what you're sharing. So what it, what it sounds like, Simone, is you had this kind of this life where you were trying a bunch of different things. And, you know, some people figure out what they want to do by figuring out all the things that they don't want, right? That don't light their soul on fire. So tell us about more about what are you doing now? I know you have a lot of great news to share. And so tell us about what you're doing now and how you're moving forward. I have figured out what I want to do. And it was because I tried many things that I didn't want to do. So right now, really, I'm focusing on I wrote my I wrote my book and really talking about the stories from my book. I love getting on podcasts. This is a great human connection piece for me. You know, we live in a time where obviously we're, we're lacking for this human interaction. And I think human connection is, is so important and that we can learn something from everyone we meet. I'm also really focused on motivational speaking and really kind of putting my stories out there, the struggles the good stuff, the bad stuff, all of it, because I think that's how we connect is, you know, I don't want to tell you, I was, I was talking to someone the other day and he said, he's like, do you make lunches for your kids? I said, yeah, they're, they're not so good, you know, all the time, you know? And he was like, wait, you're, you're, you're a motivational speaker. And you just told me that your lunches aren't so great. And I was like, I'm owning up to it. Like, I know some days I make crappy lunches and that's just part of it, you know? Um, you know, and I'm sure the kids are like, oh my gosh, plain peanut butter on bread again. Okay. Well, you know, that's how the morning went. So I think it's part of, you know, it's important to say there's, there's no such thing as perfection. You know, I'm doing my best every day of the week. That's really what I'm focused on. And I'm trying to put myself out there in a way that it's positive. That is truly me because what I've realized about myself is that that's how I want to be. That's who I want to come forward. I love that. So tell us about the book, Simone. I'm dying for you to share it with my audience. Thank you. 
It's called The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And the title really kind of reflects reflects the whole book. I mean, I think that we, I always would call myself, I'm just an ordinary girl. And I've gotten rid of the just. I'm not just anything. Everything that I am is part of me. So I am an ordinary girl. I'm at the grocery store. I cook dinner. I make bad lunches. I, you know, there's all these things that, you know, I do the laundry 17 times a day. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, so I'm an ordinary girl. But I think that each of our, us are unique. So that's the whole piece of being unordinary. We are all unordinary. And there are pieces within us that make us truly extraordinary. We just have to figure them out. We just have to find them. We just have to realize that they're there. And so I think all of us have it, have it in us. And so the book really talks about that underlying, underlying theme of really taking a look at yourself and saying, I don't need to change who I am. I need to change the way I see myself. And so I talk about our, adoption stories of the youngest three kids. I talk about the way I see the world. You know, we have a multicultural family where, you know, black, white, Asian, and Jewish over here. So, you know, we definitely have a a big view of the world and how we kind of move, move forward in those things. And also, you know, one of the other things I talk about is my daughter who's 18. She was diagnosed with Crohn's last year and really kind of dealing Dealing with that at that age, you know, like we could have just sat in the moment and said, like, this is the worst thing ever, you know, and and we sat there for a little bit and said, okay, this is horrible. Now, how are we going to move forward? You know, because it is it is what it is. This is where we are. And, you know, we got to move forward in a positive way so that we can kind of we still have to live a great life. Right. So it's all of the stories. It's, you know, the funny stuff. I have some ridiculous stories in there, Um, but it's it's me. It's me and my outlook on life. And again, the reason I put it out there and the reason I think it matters is because I am an ordinary girl, right? So we we are all capable of extraordinary things. Trust me, if I can climb Kilimanjaro, anybody who wants to climb Kilimanjaro, you put in the work, you can do it. Okay. So first of all, I love the book. I love the title of the book. I love that you're telling stories. And what I love so much. And again, it's why I had you on today is I think so many of us feel like we see either, you know, people in the media or movie stars, or we see, you know, great orators and we're like, oh, well, you know, we see Oprah. We're like, well, I'll never be Oprah. But I love the essence of what you're saying is what is your superpower? What makes you extraordinary? in the situation that you are in and how can you up level that i'm always in the show i'm always challenging my audience about how can you take what you have and how can you up level it not change it not change who you are but how can you honor first of all honor and have gratitude for your amazing strength and who you are as an individual and i think so many of us really don't take the time to even reflect and think about what makes me extraordinary? You know, what makes me, you know, I live in suburbia, like what makes me extraordinary in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family, you know, in my, um, just who I am, like what makes me extraordinary? Because I know that I'm having an impact on my kids and my family and their teachers and, you know, the people that I meet. And I, 
I just think so often we don't think about that. We think, and I think there's a lot of, you know, stay-at-home moms who listen to my show who are like, well, I, I think there's a lot of mom shoulds is what I'm trying to say of, well, I'm not in corporate or I'm not this, right? And we always focus on what we're not. Or the corporate mom saying, well, I'm not good at being a state, you know, I'm not good at being home with my kids. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And it, what I really hear you saying is really accepting where you're at, honoring it, and just being grateful and honoring how extraordinary you are at what you do every single day, no matter what it is. It, it, it is. It's really about embracing who you are. And again, we all go through these pieces of feeling like we have to defend ourselves or have a reason why we stayed home with our kids. Oh, I took, I had to take time off of my, my career to raise my children. Hello, you're raising your children. Like this is, if not the, the most important job in the world to raise good humans. So you know, having to justify why you stayed home to me is, you know, it's it's tough. It's backwards thinking, but that's kind of how society, you know, puts it on us and makes us us, us feel that we have to justify these things. I had a friend who, after she read the book, she said to me, you know, it really impacted me because she's like, I think that I'm going through my day and I'm doing the laundry and I'm cooking dinner. And then she said, I made dinner for like the kids swim team. And I thought to myself, that is truly making an impact. I just fed 50 people like that to me. That was like such a highlight of my week looking at, at it in a different way, not saying, oh, I have to do this. What an honor it is. I get to feed these kids before their swim meet. And to me, that was really powerful because again, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We have these ext- and she's an amazing cook. So on top of it all, like, <laughs> but we don't give ourselves enough credit and we, we start feeling bad about ourselves because we do look at what other people are doing, but we have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. So that's the other thing to remember is that, you know, in front of the media, things look fantastic, but we never know what's truly happening. There's always three sides to every story, right? And the real, the, what he said, what she said, and then the real story. So you know, right. I think that that's true when we're we're looking at trying to compare ourselves to other people. And that's why I think that it's not worth doing because we have so much more to offer than any comparison could do for us. Well, I completely agree with you. And I'm not going to let it slip by because you mentioned it. Hey, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, so let's talk about that because I know it's in your book. And I would love for you to share that story with my audience. I am not a climber. I joke that I've gone camping a couple of times, but it was an opportunity that came up and my husband was asked if he wanted to do it. His friend had climbed the year before and asked and called my husband and said, hey, they're putting a a team together again to do this. It was with the Livestrong Foundation. So I was raising money for the Livestrong Foundation. It was called Survivor Summit. So people who were cancer survivors who were climbing in honor of someone with cancer, et cetera. And of course, the way I tell the story is that my husband said, one, two, three, no, thank you, call Simone. And so his friend <laughs> called me and I said, yes. And I knew that I would have to work really hard, get myself in shape because again, I am not like an athlete. I 
I'm a mom of six kids. Like I, if I get to work out, great. If I have the glass of wine, great. Whatever my choice is for that day, it's great. But I wasn't, right. I wasn't in any kind of shape to uh, climb a mountain, but I worked really hard and I did get myself in that shape. I carried a backpack around sometimes, you know, we, I live in Florida, so there's not exactly mountains to climb. So I think we have like <laughs> one hill. So I would wear my backpack and my hiking boots on that hill too. Prep and my kids were like, can you just do it like when we're at school? So none of our friends are going to see you. <laughs> sure. And so, so how long did you have to prep? But when you said yes to when the hiking trip was, when did you, how long did you have in between? I had six months and people probably train longer, but that was the time I had. So, and I, and I did, I worked out every day. I, I wore, the other thing I did was I wore this mask. It's called an elevation training mask. And it basically, you can adjust the valves on the side to, it changes your lung capacity. So it's not obviously the, when you go up to elevation, it's right. it's a chemical change, but this helped you really have to suck in the air to build up your lung capacity. And I have to say it was very effective after using it for those six months, I could hold my, my uh, breath underwater for a minute, which I could never do before. So that was, again, one of those things where the kids were like, are you really going to wear that around the house? I'm like, at least it's just, I could wear it to the grocery store if you want, you know, Um, you know, but that's my job is to, to make them laugh at me. Yeah. So six months and I went with, there were 16 of us. I didn't know anybody and I met the most amazing people and really a team that supported each other that helped each other. I had the best tent mate. She is a breast cancer survivor. So not only am I going with complete strangers, I'm literally in a tent with a complete stranger. And we had the best time and one foot in front of the other made it to the summit. Everybody on our team made it to the summit. And, you know, you talk about leadership, uh, you know, figuring out how to work with a team at elevation versus figuring out how to work with a team in an office. I mean, those are you can't, you can't go back to your own office, right? Like you're there. Um, so you have to right. figure out how to work with other people. And so tell us um, what you learned about yourself on that trip. I learned a lot about myself on that trip. I, My husband would always say that I am mentally tough. When I was younger, I used to just be really hard on myself. And I realized that didn't get me anywhere. But being mentally tough is completely different. When we're hard on ourselves, you know, we're constantly criticizing ourselves. We're constantly judging what we're doing. And it's really hard to to move forward when you're so hard on yourself because you're expecting the failure. You're not realizing that, yes, you can move past this. But being mentally tough, I really think that we see, um, I always say that it's like turning boulders into bumps in the road. We see it. We, you know, we make a mistake. We have a failure. We move forward. So really looking at it from from that way kind of that helped me get to the the summit. And then when I was up there looking at myself and saying, okay, mom of six in crappy shape six months before you just summited Kilimanjaro and realizing that I can't, I shouldn't ever label myself, right? Like there's lots of things that I can do if I choose to do, if I put the work in behind it, it's not just saying, oh, I'm going to go do this. But if you put the work in behind it, you really can do these things. And that was a big realization for me is that don't, don't let someone label you. Don't label yourself. Say that, you know, if I work hard, I can, I can get, I can get to this moment in time. And I would say the last thing I realized, 
I mean, there was lots of realizations, but the last really big thing was that everything I've done in my life brought me to that moment. So I never look Mm. back and say, oh, I regret doing that because everything is part of my journey. Every little piece, the mistakes I made, you know, the good and bad choices I made, those all brought me to that moment in time. So they're all part of my journey. So I never look back and say, oh, I regret that moment or I wish I wouldn't have done that. In the moment I do, but I move forward. That was a mistake. It's in the past. Move forward. Learn from it. Don't do it again. Um, But realizing that when I was, you know, at the summit saying, don't label yourself. You got whatever you, whatever you want, whatever. And and that's the important part, what you want, move forward with it. It's not what someone else wants. It's what you want because you can do it if you put the work in. That's incredible. I can only imagine you standing on the summit and just standing up there saying, I did this, you know, I did this. I, it's six months ago. Could you ever imagine yourself standing on the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro? (laughs) Right. And I mean, how incredible. And I also know, because we had a conversation prior about, you know, just teamwork. And, you know, here you are in a high stakes environment. I mean, lives could be lost if people aren't pulling their weight, aren't doing what they need to do. And so what kind of, maybe as a team, were there any moments where you had to kind of navigate or make quick decisions and help someone else? And, you know, were there any stories on the mountain with regard to that? Yeah, there were definitely times where, you know, if I was struggling, it's five days for our trip, it was five days up, two days down. And you're carrying a pack, you're not carrying all of your gear, you have these amazing porters because that carry like the camping stuff, the tents and everything. Since it's a national park, you're only allowed a certain amount of weight. And, and there's days where, you know, your water itself is really heavy. And it's, it's hard to carry everything some days. And so there were days where you could tell like I was struggling or someone else was struggling. And so as a team, they would be like, let's split up the stuff in the packs here. Let's, let's help, Mm -hmm. let's help each other out because the goal is for us to get there together. We're working as a, as a team. And when we were at the summit, actually we had even before the last, so the last piece is from about 15,000 feet to the 19,341. And you do that in the middle of the night. And you know, it, it's hard to breathe. Obviously, it's really hard to breathe. And we had one person that was struggling, just couldn't stop coughing. And she didn't want to give up. And she didn't give up and she made it. But then the decision was, okay, do we all, you know, wait and go at that pace? Understanding that it's much harder when you're going, we're going slow to begin with, but when you're going really slow at that elevation, you can't stay there that long, right? You mm-hmm. get up there and you got to come back down. And, you know, she was like, there is no way the, the entire team is, is going at my pace. And there was one guy who, young guy, super fit. Obviously, everybody on this team was super kind, but he was like, I'm staying with her. And he did. And he, so she, it was her and in a couple of the, um, there was a porter and there was a, um, another guy that was with her and, but we all made it, we all made it to the summit, but it was those kinds of decisions. Like how do we work together as a team and honor all of, you know, our, our teammates to make sure that we're all successful in this endeavor. And I think what brought us even closer together is the fact that, you know, we all were there for not just to summit Kilimanjaro, but to bring awareness and to raise funds for the Livestrong Foundation. So 
give me a challenge in philanthropy and that just makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what you're talking about is, you know, not only teamwork, but you were all there for a bigger mission. And, you know, which is so important, I think, in the in the workforce, right? You when you're when you're working towards a bigger mission and for something that you're all passionate about, I mean, it's amazing what you can push yourself to do and how everyone comes together to help each other get to that finish line. So I love it so much. Um, thank you for sharing the story. I would love for you to share, you know, another story from the book that you, you know, that that's meaningful to you or funny, um, you know, just to share with my audience. I'll share a story so that your audience can laugh at me. It's a, it's a, it's one of, <laughs> it's, it's one of my, one of my favorite stories actually. So, and the beginning part is not the funny part, but it's, I got to give you a little bit of backstory to get to the actual story. So my, my kids were away at summer camp and I was actually in Israel leading, leading a trip. And I got a call from my husband saying that our son Noah um, had been bitten by a snake. Turned out to be a poisonous snake. They weren't sure at, at the time, but he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on a plane right now. I'm flying to Atlanta. And I, I couldn't get there. There was no flights that were available that would get. And again, if I'm sitting on a plane, I need to know what's happening. Right. So he, he got there. It turned out that it was a poisonous snake. So they first had him in an ambulance and then they realized that, you know, the swelling was, you know, his whole arm was getting like a balloon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it was it's very scary. And so they had to pull into a private airport. A helicopter picked him up. They got him to the children's hospital. And he spent three days in the ICU, many vials of antivenom, but he did fine. And so that's the backstory, which is always exciting. In our house, there is something all of the time. Like there is never a dull moment. I mean, who who does that happen? I think I'm I think I'm hyperventilating right now. I'm like, I'm I'm still trying to catch my breath from your Kilimanjaro story. And like now I'm hyperventilating about thinking about getting, you know, my kid getting bit by a snake. Yeah, so yeah. Whew. It's a very rare thing to happen at summer camp. I, I think I read about one other family that that talked about it. So we all get back at the same time. And obviously he does well. He actually wanted to go back and spend the last night at camp, which he did. So my husband went and stayed at camp because he, you know, he loved camp. I met them back at the airport in, you know, in Florida, we went home and because of the swelling, his arm was kind of locked in place. So we had to go see the physical therapist the next morning. We get into the car and I'm looking back at him saying, okay, buckle. And he's like, it's hard because I my my arm isn't working. I'm like, I know, buckle. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, why is there popcorn all over the car? And I was like, I know I cleaned the car before we left. Like, again, it is the moving trash can with six kids, but there definitely <laughs> wasn't popcorn all over the car. I start backing out and I think about it. And I look back again and I'm like, oh, that is not popcorn. I was like, Noah, get out of the car, get out of the car. And he's like, what? I'm like, get out of the car. Um, it was, uh, as I, he got out and then I looked in the, the side door, it was everywhere. And it was the foam from inside the seats. So basically a rat or two or 17 got into the car through the engine <sighs> block and had a feast because it is the, the moving trash can with all the, the nooks and crannies, who knows what's like in the little seat belt holders, chewed on every seat. There was rat poop everywhere. I have to tell you, like I was kind of disgusted out of my mind. And so I called the insurance company and they said to me, well, 
why don't you drive it over to the insurance adjuster? I was like, I am not getting back in there because there's definitely a rat still in there and it's going to jump on my head. I'm going to have an accident and you're going to be responsible for it. And he's like, good point. I will send a tow truck over. So they, (laughs) they towed it to the place and the guy said, I've been in this business for 20 something years. And I have to tell you, I've never seen something like this before. He's like, give me a couple of days. And he called me after a couple of days and said, we have to total it. Like the, the damages are so extensive. It chewed on like every seat. You know, he's like, the damages are so extensive that we have to total, total your minivan. So yes, I add that to my list of check the box items that, uh, you know, I had a rat family move into my van and, and total it as it was chewing on my seats, having a feast from Cheez-Its and goldfish crackers. <laughs> and I tell that story because, again, we're human, right? Like these things happen. Things happen all of the time. And, you know, my friends are like, you sure you want to tell people that? I'm like, why? Like, it's a funny story. You know, I'm owning it. Like, how many people do you know that a rat totaled their minivan because it ate the seats? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, you remind me, and um, I don't remember what company it is that does the commercials on TV that talk about all the things and you know all the insurance mishaps that happen that you couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, you know, people driving their car into you know an aquarium or something like that, and um, you could be on that commercial I know. for sure. We thought about oh it. We we're like, gosh. oh, we should we should pitch them with our story. That was not our insurance <laughs> company. I know which one it is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's just one of those moments, things happen and you can either, I could have had like the attitude, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. This is awful. You know, this is embarrassing versus this is ridiculous. Like (laughs) I'm going to have to laugh about it because you know, what else are you going to do? And, and guess what? They got rid of the moving trash can and the kids kind of don't eat in the car anymore. Kind of still do when we have a late morning. Cause that (laughs) happens too, right? Like we're like, we gotta go, we gotta go bring your Cheez-Its. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that story, Simone. Thank you for sharing. And I want to kind of do a little left turn. Um, I know you and I did not talk about this prior, but you talk about having a mixed race family. Mm -hmm. You talk about, you know, you adopted, you have black children, you have, um, I don't know who's who, but Mm -hmm. I know you said you have a black Jewish and Asian uh, kids in your family. And um, it's this week where you know, Asian Americans were killed mm-hmm. in our country. Obviously, we've been dealing with um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and a lot of hate in our country with regard to that. And so my question for you is, you know, being a mom and being a mixed race family and how are you helping your children deal with what's happening right now in our country? It's, it's really tough. I'll start by saying that. Because I have different conversations with my younger kids than I did with my older kids. You know, my oldest son is 24 and I never had to have the conversation with him. If you get pulled over, you keep your hands on the steering wheel or you say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. All of these things where, you know, I, these are the conversations that I have with my younger kids. And of course they're like, we don't want to hear it. I'm like, no, you have to hear it. You have to. And a quick story about that is that our son, Ari, when he got his voter's license, he uh, took out a jet ski and it was the first day he went out on it. And two minutes out, he gets pulled over. And yep. And again, thank goodness I've had these conversations with him. And 
So the officer asked him to, he, he asked him for his, some form of ID, his voter's license. And then he asked him to point out the house that he lived in. And that wow. killed me. And so I said to him, and then he gave him a, he wrote him a, a ticket, wrote him a warning, not an actual ticket saying he's going too fast in a no wake zone. And I know he wasn't because I know where he was pulled over and that is not a no wake zone. So when he, he didn't come home right away, he, he still went out cause he's, you know, that's who he is. And he came home and he said, so let me tell you what happened. And I said, so why do you think you got pulled over? And he said, cause I'm black and I'm on a jet ski. How many, how many people do we see in Sarasota? How many black people do you see in Sarasota on a, on a jet ski? And that was a killer. That was kind of like, you know, for, for them, for my kids, like at that, those ages to say like, yeah, it was, if it would have been Jacob, he wouldn't have been pulled over. Right. But right. You know, it's a really hard thing to deal with. I, I think the hardest thing for me is that I can't wrap my head around how anybody treats people negatively because of who they are. You know, like we're all part of the fabric of society. You know, we, we're all different. Every single one of us is different, but our value is always the same. And I really struggle to understand why. And I can tell you that if, I, if I'm standing there with my kids versus my kids standing there by themselves, they will get treated differently. Um, and that's a killer for me. And I just, you know, as someone that is Jewish, we've, you know, we've, we've struggled with so many things in, you know, in the Jewish world mm -hmm. and, and hate to anybody just because of who they are. It's just wrong. It, it is. It's just wrong. And, and violence, it's that the whole thing to me is, and it's hard to have these conversations, but we have them all of the time because we want the kids to understand that it really, it's not about them. Like it has nothing to do. It has to do with the person that is, it, it has to do with, it's just like what, you know, and this is not the great comparison, but when, when we talk about the kids, people that are bullies, and it's never about the person that's getting bullied. It's about the bully, right? So same thing right. where I look at um, how the hatred that certain people have, it's not specifically about that one person that they're pointing it towards. Um, it's something in them that they bring forward. And it's heartbreaking. And I wish that there was like an overnight thing where we could just say, Hey, we just like we're all human. Let's let's be kind to each other because that's the way I see the world. I mean, we mm -hmm. we are all human and we are all unique and we are all different and we need to appreciate those differences instead of, you know, hurting people, killing people or treating people differently because of who they are. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I know obviously you have a unique perspective. You know, you're a mom of a mixed race family and um I appreciate you sharing that I I have a platform. I want to use it for good. And I want people to know what other families struggle with, you know, who might not look like their family. Mm -hmm. And um, I want people to to think about how um, what they can do. So I think it's more, you know, more and more I'm like, okay, let's have the conversation. But also, what do we do about it? And so I guess I would kind of leave that with you. And, you know, what do you think people can do? to help the situation, to take action, to do something different? 
you have to use your words. I mean, that's the first place to start. When you see something, you have to say something. You can't just stand by and let someone else be treated horribly while you watch. Um, even even snarky comments are really they're not okay, right? When you're when you're if we want to talk about being anti-racist, you have to you have to start by you know, using your words and not even letting a joke go by you where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, I didn't really find it that funny, but okay. So tell the person it's not funny. Um, and I, I think we don't do that. I think we're scared to do that understandably sometimes. And I do say to the kids, there's a time and place for everything. Like there have been situations where I'm not going to speak up because I'm truly worried that something really bad will happen. Um, right. but, but other times where, you know, people think that they're just having, you know, they're making a funny remark and it's not funny at all. And that we have to, we have to really stand up for the people around us because sometimes they can't do it for themselves and really starting with not being silent. Um, because you know, a a different world, I love, this is one of my favorite things that, that I I know a a different world cannot be built by indifferent people. Mm, I love that. And it's so true. It's so true. Simone, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, you have, you know, I love, I love your energy. It's infectious. I love your storytelling. I love the message that you have and that you are wanting to share with so many people through your book, through your speaking. Um, as we kind of close out today, what are some last words of wisdom that you really want my audience to walk away with? I think it really goes back to my underlying theme of my life. My book is the the piece about that we don't need to change who we are. We need to change the way we see ourselves. And I think that's so important. I think that's even part of the last converse, last part of the conversation about, you know, what what can we do? Like we have power, right? Like we have our words, words matter. Our words are powerful. The way we speak to ourselves, the way we speak about ourselves. I think that's so important. Don't say you're just anything. Remember that can't means won't. That's another one of my favorite things that when you say can't, it just means you're not even going to try. Um, and, and really believe in yourself. You're not just anything you, you are you. And all of these pieces are what make you make up such a unique person. And remember that when you look in the mirror. I love that. I love that. And I highly suggest everyone go get Simone's book. It's on Amazon, The Extraordinary Unordinary You, Follow Your Own Path and Discover Your Own Journey. It's an incredible book. And we will put a link to it in our show notes for the podcast today. So people can just click on the link and um, head on over there so they can pick up your book. I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing yourself and making the time to be here today. I really appreciate it. Mm, Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Simone. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.